0: Welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on this episode, it's fitting that we close 2019 with the topic of private giving, since December is the month when people tend to give the most. And Americans are extremely generous, giving $428 billion in 2018 alone, but policy changes could have widespread impact on something that's been a part of our American fabric. Patrice Anwuka joins us to talk about the threats, including government officials and activists who wanna control how we spend, what we give to, and how much is available for giving. Before we bring her on, a little bit about her. Patrice Anwuka is a senior policy analyst at Independent Women's Forum. She has worked in the advocacy and communications fields for more than a decade. Prior to joining IWF, Patrice served as national spokeswoman and communications director at Generation Opportunity and worked at the Philanthropy Roundtable and the Fund for American Studies in policy and media roles. And you've probably seen her on TV because she is a frequent commentator on Fox News and Fox Business. Patrice, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Beverly, it's great to be on. So the first thing I wanna start with is just the fact that Americans are so generous when it comes to private giving. And the big question is why do people give in general?
1: Well, people give uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, Some people give for religious reasons. For example, they tithe and give 10% of their income to their church uh, or to uh, charity. Some people give because they're just altruistic. And and I think that speaks largely to the American fabric, uh, uh, how we as as Americans believe in coming together uh, to solve problems in our communities, um, even nationally and globally. You know, we're not waiting for the government to come in with solutions. We are willing to dig in our pockets, roll up our sleeves and, and solve, get done whatever needs to be done. And I think that uh, that that can do spirit, uh, that has been there from our founding, is really what makes us so different. You know, from a lot of European countries and other countries where they expect government to provide uh, the the solutions to tackle the problems, and and they're willing to increase their the, to pay high tax rates for that. We, we on the other side, on the on, on the contrary, we believe in that private money going to private organizations uh, that handle the same problems uh, and do so more efficiently, more effectively.
0: And I know there's been a longstanding debate on who gives the most. There has been this thought (laughs) that liberals give the most because they do want to give through government.
1: But when it comes to private giving, is it really liberals who give the most? It actually is not. Conservatives, conservative households give 30% more than liberal households, and and that's even though their incomes tend to be about six percent lower on average. Now, this is not politically driven or ideologically driven. Actually, it has to do much more with religion. I think religion is one of the biggest or more the most significant factors behind uh, giving in this country, and so you do tend to see conservative households being religious and attending, uh, attending weekly services. And I'll give you an interesting statistic. Um, you know, if you attend, those who attend uh, a service, at least two or more services a month, tend to give more than those who don't. Um, and so, uh, I mean, as much as four times as much as those who don't re- attend a religious service at all. So it's that idea that, you know, you are tithing, maybe you are just moved uh, religiously or spiritually to give, and that outweighs a lot of those who don't attend services. And so that's where it kind of falls between the, the, uh, the, the Democrat or, sorry, the conservative versus the liberal. It really does have a lot more to do with if whether you're uh, attending a church service and you're a, a religious person.
0: And so then that begs the question, why um, do people give as much as they do, even in reference to other countries? Some would say it's because of policy incentives alone, which we are going to get into the policy of this. But would you say, especially since you're looking at religious institutions, that that's not necessarily because
1: it's a tax write-off?
0: Is that just an added benefit to something they already plan to do?
1: It is. Uh, So, for example, the charitable deduction is one of those ways that the the government recognizes private giving um, and encourages it. Uh, So you get a deduction on your taxes if you claim the the amount of money you've given to charities. What's interesting, though, is that you have a lot of lower income households who give uh, as a percentage of their income more than uh, upper, middle and upper class uh, households, uh, but they don't necessarily claim the charitable deduction. Maybe they take the standard deduction, uh, which as we know recently was, was even increased more through tax reform. So this idea that the charitable giving and the tax incentives are what motivates all givers in this country is, is very wrong. And so I think, and we'll talk about the tax implications, but when we think about giving the spirit of giving, it is very much something that's altruistic, that's spiritual, that is just about that individual really wanting to, um, to make a difference in their communities and in the lives of other people than it is about the, the charitable deduction of the tax incentive. Now, that's not to say that taxes don't matter, and so yeah, you at, at this time of year there's a reason why uh, nonprofits gain get as much as 30 uh, percent of their budgets from from charitable giving before December 31st. So it plays a role, but it's not the the primary role. And one of the things
0: that I think when we're talking about it from policy focus, it's understandable why this isn't discussed. But when you're talking about it, where people are being charitable because of the desire to give and it's to, let's say a religious institution, I think people who give, and when you give, there's a blessing that you receive. There's even, of course, the verse, it's better to give than to receive. What do you find is a blessing or a benefit that people receive when they can give of themselves to something else? I think that that's often an important part and something Mm -hmm. that is taken away when government is the giver to anyone in need. Well,
1: certainly, you get to be connected to the the problem and the solution. Um, so whether you are giving to a local soup kitchen or a homeless shelter for women, for example, those may be your neighbors. Those may be the moms and dads of kids who go to your your uh, your children's elementary school. So so you're I, I think part of the blessing that you're receiving is knowing that you're helping directly helping people um, that that may be in your communities, that you're directly solving problems. Also, you all you have greater control over the resources uh, and how they're spent. Unfortunately, when we um, when Uncle Sam takes money from our paycheck each week, or, or we send a check in uh, uh, to Uncle to the IRS at the end of the year, um, we have no control over how that money is spent. And very often, we see federal funds going towards uh, causes that we may be, you know, personally uh, spiritually, uh, economically opposed to. And so there's greater control. There's, I think there's a little bit of a blessing in controlling where your money gets spent and knowing that it's spent, uh, well and with greater accountability than frankly, the black hole of government. And also,
0: like you were saying, the accountability part is if let's say I am a church or working on behalf of a church, if I know that I have to interact with the people who are giving, there's already that additional accountability built in that, you know, people are going to be paying attention that know you personally. One of the things that I've wondered is. As government grows and government becomes more responsible for welfare and and helping people in the country, is there then a tendency for people to give less as their taxes go up?
1: There is. And that is called the crowding crowding out effect. Uh, so in essence, uh, you know, people give to charities thinking about the total amount that they're that the organization is receiving, um, not necessarily about who's giving to it. So, if, for example, you know that uh, you're a charity of your choice, maybe your church, maybe uh, maybe a, an animal shelter, uh, has just received, a, you know, a new government uh, contract of you know ten thousand dollars, well, suddenly. You're thinking well, I guess they really don't need the money that I, I usually contribute to that annual ten thousand dollar fundraising event that they put on so it, it, in essence when government dollars enter private dollars leave and uh, this is an this is actually an economic uh, economic principle you know that we see in lots of different areas um, where government funding crowds out what the private sector is able to do and, and and you know uh what's interesting the National Bureau of Economic Research they found that for every $1000 a government sends to a nonprofit donations fall, fall by about $757 so almost 2 out of 3 dollars um falls which means that now the nonprofit is really just kind of replacing a, most of the dollars that they're getting they're not necessarily getting that much more so i think it's it's incumbent on nonprofit organizations to to really away uh, whether that government contract is really going to be more important than the private dollars. And, and in part because when we go through recessions, uh, when there is uh, government, um, when there's austerity in terms of our budget and programs get cut, suddenly the, you know the, the, the contract that you expected and have received every year may not be there the next year. And that means you've got to hustle to try to get those private dollars back and they just may not return.
0: So what do you think is the right balance of government giving versus private giving? Do you think our current setup, and if you could explain a little bit more about where our policy is currently on this, do you think that we're on a good path? Are we too government heavy? And if so, how do we navigate this?
1: Well, it, it, that's a really interesting question, Beverly, because I think it depends on the industries that you look at. Uh, let's, let's talk about, you know, what private giving has delivered to us? Well, it's delivered medical breakthroughs like polio uh, vaccines, um, you know, penicillin. Uh, it's delivered to us the idea of, um, of white lines on the highway separating lanes so that people know which direction to drive in. There's some really remarkable inventions, discoveries, um, even just the, the spread of information, you know, uh, educating uh, slaves post, post-Civil War. That was done by private giving, not by government uh, dictate from Washington. So when you so so suddenly now we're, we're at a place where in education, in uh, in medicine, and even um, even even uh, like humanitarian aid, we see a lot of role for government. Uh, and and I think that there there is a nice there could be a good partnership between government and private giving, and that private giving will fund those ideas that are new, innovative, um, but risky, right? And so, uh, it, but then all of a sudden you test it, it works. Those private dollars have proven that this is a great idea and now it can be scaled. So that's, I think, the, the, the area where government can step in and say, wow, uh, this type of educational model works on a small scale in this city and it was funded by this uh, foundation, well, since it works here, let's try it in five different cities across the state. Let's try this in five different states. Let's try this. Let's make this nationwide and use some of the federal dollars that are already allocated in education for something that has been proven to work. So there can be that private-public partnership, and that's actually what I'm talking about here. Um, but but what I worry about is is, yes, sometimes... When government comes in, and particularly organizations start to depend more and more on those government contracts and on the government money, that they, 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 they leave less room for uh, the private charity, for the fundraising from, from, uh, from individual donors. And that really exposes them if, perchance, government decides to pull back on a contract or cuts budgets.
0: Let's talk about different policy changes that government activists or government officials want to change. What are some of the threats to private giving? So are we expecting any battles in this area in 2020?
1: We absolutely are. So I think there are two key areas to be looking out for. There is the, the tax policy side and there's the donor privacy side. Um, and you might, you might throw in a third one that's more around uh, leadership of boards, but I'm going to focus on the first two. So on the tax side, we know we have the charitable deduction, uh, but regularly we have seen policymakers raise the idea of limiting the charitable deduction to different, to families that make a certain amount of money. So if you're wealthy and, and make above, you know, I'm just throwing out an arbitrary number of $250,000, well, suddenly you can't claim as much of that charitable deduction. Um, so the idea of limiting the deduction, uh, how much uh, different types of earners can can claim. And let's not forget that even though low-income households give the, the bigger um, portion of their percentage of their income to charity, big households, big earners give... In, in, in dollar for dollar, the most when it comes to charity. So you you suddenly make that change the incentives for um, for upper class households, and you may start to see um, some you know some some negative backlash when it comes to what fun, what charities can raise. Then on, also on the charitable deduction, there's this idea that certain types of organizations should be uh, should be you should be you should allow you should be allowed to uh, deduct your donations to certain types of organizations. So it's saying, oh no, giving to your alma mater, your your know, your college, giving to those big institutions, uh, that that's not really charity. So you shouldn't be able to deduct what you give to those. You should only be able to deduct what you give to the soup kitchen, uh, or the, the the homeless shelter. Well, wait a minute. The the richness of our civil society is that you can give to whatever causes you like. And that is, that is what has created such a diverse um, civil society that spans every single issue you can imagine. I mean, you can come together and start a nonprofit to help kids uh, learn how to cut hair and become barbers one day. And if you would, if you like that cause you can donate to that. So limiting the deduction to certain types of charities puts government in the role of picking winners and losers among charitable causes. That's wrong.
0: And a part on that that I wanted to pick up on that you mentioned, which I think is such an important part, you talk about people being able to choose uh, what they want to give their money to, maybe even creating something new if they find that there's a vacuum for it. But you brought up this aspect that has been talked about a lot, which is whether or not donors can remain anonymous. And that does seem to be a big battle. You even had um, you have people being doxxed on Twitter where their name and information is, is being put out there, but the anonymity of donors, why do you think that aspect is so vital?
1: Oh, it's so important. Number one, I mean, for, for some religious givers, they are required by religious, uh, teachings not to, uh, to promote what they give and not to assign their name to their giving for other people. It's simply a matter of, um, of safety. They don't want their to expose their family and themselves to potentially being targeted, kidnapped. Um, Or just, or frankly, uh, you know, having a bunch of people knock on their door asking for money every day. And then as you talk about doxing and this idea of of, um, of publicly disclosing private information, you know, you can, people don't want to be harassed. Uh, and that's particularly true if you're giving to political causes or to causes that are not uh, popular with some people or, or, you know, part of the mainstream. I mean, let's go back in, in history and look at the civil rights movement. Let's look at the gay rights movement. Let's look at abolition. During their time, it was not popular to support those causes, particularly pup to do so publicly. Um, and, and you you could suffer economic reprisals, physical reprisals, harassment. Um and, and what's popular today, boycotting. So if you, for example, support the president, um, you know your your company may be boycotted online. And so this idea that you should be able to keep your donation private, if you so choose, is very much a part of charitable giving and our history, and should continue to remain so. But we do have states, and this is a, this is really a state issue. We're seeing um, introducing donor privacy laws, and they're 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 really painted as this bringing sunshine to charitable giving and bringing. Sunshine sunshine to philanthropy, but it exposes people who would rather remain anonymous for many good reasons. It's not about uh, you know, being a, a nefarious reason. It could just be that you want to protect yourself and your family and you want to make sure that you're not going to be harassed. And so we've got to push back against those, uh, those challenges that we see coming up at the state level.
0: And I do want to let people know you, the policy focus on this is out. Um, this is written by you. Um, so do go to IWF.org. If you people have more information that they want to get on this. Please go there because it has all of this detailed, but I want to kind of wrap up of what you expect the battle to be on the federal sense. So we did have tax cut reform, uh, about a year and a half ago. Of course, a lot could depend on whether or not Congress is able to do anything this year, but do you see any potential battles where they're going to, where you see on the Federal level, where we see Congress trying to make changes to what we're able to deduct and how that would impact private giving.
1: Well, I think you're always you're always going to see Congress, uh, or particularly those on the left, come up with float these ideas around greater, um, you know, transparency in giving. Um, you may see that uh, if, for example, the House, uh, uh, well, the Senate flips and the presidency flips, you may have uh, now a. a, a an, an administration that's looking for greater revenue and will target the charitable sector uh, for greater revenue, whether that's changing the deduction, as I talked about, um, limiting it to certain types of uh, income levels, or frankly, just increasing taxes. I mean, what's great about giving is that when you have more discretionary income, you have more money to give, and that could be beyond your tithe or beyond what you usually do. And so when you start to look for revenue, and that could be increasing taxes or limiting the charitable deduction or other types of, uh, or even, um, you know, putting limits on on other types of uh, giving vehicles, such as donor advised funds, those are areas where at the federal level, I think we need to be on the lookout. Now, again, that's going to depend on, you know, I think how our, uh, the 2020 elections go, um, but- These are not, uh, issues that are going to go away. I think they're going to be continual issues because you're always going to have, you're going to always going to have a society where there are people who believe that, you know what, let's give government all of the money to, uh, to solve problems. And then others who believe, you know, actually, I think I and working with my community, other nonprofits are better able to, to, to solve those problems.
0: So as we hear a lot of politicians, especially some candidates right now, talking about the wealthy should be paying more, we have too many millionaires and billionaires. If we did tax the highest income earners in this country, would we see a dramatic impact on different organizations, nonprofits that we like? Would their donations decrease, do you think?
1: I think they would um, because, uh, you know, these are... A uh, wealthy uh, donors tend to be uh, tend to be a little bit more motivated by the tax implications. Um, certainly, they're able to get a bigger benefit uh, because they're not taking the standard deduction. They're actually itemizing. Um, but I, I think that when you start to really uh, eat chip away at the income that they have, they're going to say, well, you know what, what should I do? What can I do with the giving? Now, I don't necessarily think we would see giving drop, you know, 50 percent, 30 percent. But I think it would make enough of, it, of a dent that, you know, you could see scholarships at risk. Colleges and universities could see a decrease in the funding that they're receiving from their alumni networks. There there may be some decisions about, you know, what projects to um, to to fund, um, and and you know, some of the more traditional charity type. Uh, organizations may benefit, and others uh, that are that tend to be considered, oh, you know, that's nice to do. They may they may not get as much money. So, you know, I just think that we want to ensure that charitable giving that we continue to encourage charitable giving, that policymakers recognize and continue to protect the role that it has uh, in our country, and um, and to encourage it. And so, you know, wouldn't it be amazing right now? I think we give about 1.5% of our gross domestic product, which we're, we're talking about $428 billion a year. Imagine if we were giving a tenth of that. Imagine what problems could be solved in our communities. And, and I think that would be that would be great to get to if we could get there.
0: And final question for you, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but since we're only a few days away from 2020 and people can still get in their donations and therefore get a tax deduction, why do you think IWF is a place people should donate to?
1: Independent Women's Forum is a place where women uh, have put together common sense policy solutions uh, that um, you know, that spanned a range of issues, but we 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 we're really trying to make a difference with these policies. And you know, I think we have a track record of of coming up with ideas that actually have you know get turned into to to real policies that have a better impact on people's lives. And I'm talking about everything from um from uh, earned leave around maternity leave to tax policies. You know, I think we believe that the best outcomes for women, for families, for all Americans is when we have more control over our resources, our time, our businesses. And those are the types of policies that we really push for. So you know, I think that we're a great organization to invest in. You can even invest in us through Amazon Smiles when you are trying to get that last minute package. Um, but investing in public policy could be just as critical as investing in soup kitchens and, um, and, and animal shelters.
0: And I, I'll put my own plug in as well. IWF, I think, is a great organization. It's been a pleasure for me to be a part of it as a fellow in the past year. And I can honestly say, even prior to being uh, officially affiliated with IWF, that the policies that you all researched and that you've worked on and that you've been working on, Patrice, have benefited me as a business owner. So um, I want to give that push for people out there as well. If they're looking to give, Independent Women's Forum is a nonprofit organization that you can give to. And since we're talking about private giving today, why not put the plan? And do check out um, Patrice's policy focus on IWF.org on private giving if you want more information. But for now, Patrice, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Beverly. And before you go, I did want to let you know of a great podcast you should subscribe to in addition to She Thinks. It's called Problematic Women, and it's hosted by Kelsey Bowler and Lauren Evans, where they both sort through the news to bring stories and interviews that are of particular interest to conservative leaning or problematic women. That is women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by those on the so-called feminist left. Every Thursday, hear them talk about everything from pop culture to policy and politics by searching for problematic women wherever you get your podcasts last if you enjoyed this episode of she thinks do leave us a rating or a review it does help and we'd love it if you shared share this episode let your friends know where they can find more she thinks episodes from all of us here at independent women's forum thanks for listening